Hello and welcome to Clojack's Nursing Journey podcast. I'm Clojack, a student nurse at Robert Gordon University, studying the dual honours nursing programme in children and young people and adult nursing. I'm really excited to welcome Dan Gooding to the podcast today. Before we get started, here's three facts about Dan. Dan is a paediatric nurse within an emergency department. He specialises within paediatric intensive care and emergency care, and he registered in 2018 at London South Bank University. Welcome Dan, thank you for joining me today. It's really great to have you on the podcast. So Dan, where did your nursing journey start? Hi Chloe, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here with you today. Um, my my nursing journey is a little bit unorthodox in that um, I've listened to other people who have spoken on your podcast and there was one lady um, who spoke about how she knew she wanted to be a nurse from 14 years old um, and I didn't really have a journey like that. I did um, GCSEs and A-levels um, and just went into work. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And it wasn't until I was about 20 years old when I got a job in care in the community um, where I first got my first taste of healthcare. Um, and that was looking after older people within the community and from with a private company. From there, I moved into um, a hospital um, in the southwest of England, again, looking after older people in the community. And what really struck me was I had, it was a really busy ward, but we had some really, really good um, ner- members of nursing staff um, who really inspired me to care for people the best of my ability. Um, one sister in particular who was influential in me deciding to study nursing, and that was because the way she looked after every single person, her capacity for caring was absolutely immense. Um, she was the type of person that would look after any anyone, really, but in the way that you'd want someone to look after your mum or your dad. Whilst on that care of the elderly ward, I had a couple of experiences um, and I was invited to go down to the children's unit um, to see what it was like um, to look after the children there. Um, so I went and did that and I think it was for sort of four hours um, twice in a week and I absolutely fell in love with the the variety and the breadth of children's nursing. Um, but I didn't have the grades for nursing at this point or I studied the wrong subjects. So I instead had to go back to um, college. I went to Exeter College and studied an access to nursing course access to healthcare rather. I was attached to Great Ormond Street for the majority of my placements, which was absolutely incredible. I did um, spinal surgery in the first year um, and then I think I did school placements and then a gastroendomet placement in my second year as well as I did a general placement out in Romford and my third year was cardiac intensive care and neurology. Myself, along with some friends, developed an idea for the student nurse project, which um, is still up and running today, which is incredible. But what we wanted to do was create a community of nursing students from initially across the country um, to talk about nursing related issues, share nursing related um, conversations, because being a student nurse can at times be quite lonely, particularly if you've moved away from home or if you're in a position in which you're working night shifts 
and we've all felt it. We've all been sat there in the staff room at sort of half past three in the morning on our own. And there's definitely a twinge of loneliness that comes into it. And we just wanted to try and get rid of that by connecting as many students with each other as we could. And that seemed to really take off. Um, as a student, I also did work with the Royal College of Nursing um, within a pan-London um, set up. So we tried to get all the universities in London together um, and just make the best um, experiences for student nurses um, possible with the similar aims to the Student Nurse Project. Um, I qualified in 2018 and went in and moved to the West Midlands to work in the paediatric or to work in a paediatric intensive care unit there and that was absolutely incredible and um, it was probably it was scary it was exhilarating and it was really really nerve-wracking i can remember my first day now like it was yesterday and the reason why i wanted to go to um intensive care was because i Whilst I haven't always wanted to be a nurse, I've always wanted to know what to do in any situation that I found myself in. Um, and I figured that intensive care would be the place to go secure. Um, and I'd spent two years doing that. And in my two years, um, I complete, uh, I became competent in um, managing um, endotracheal tubes, um, chest drains, ICP bolts, you've got um, central lines, arterial lines, all various types of um, wires and instruments that as a student nurse and newly qualified nurse absolutely terrified me but two years in and you're starting to feel a little bit more at ease with things. Um, as I stayed in intensive care, I was there when the beginning of the pandemic hits um, and there was a really interesting feel in the air because we weren't sure what to expect. We could see our adult colleagues getting absolutely inundated with these really, really sick adults. And we really didn't see as much as we thought we would to the point where um, not long after I left, some of our nurses went across to the adult hospital or one of the adult hospitals in the West Midlands to help them out because they were overwhelmed and we weren't really seeing what we were concerned about seeing. Um, and then I left Piku after um, well, over two years and moved um, from the West Midlands down to the Southwest back home um, with my partner who is also a nurse and we actually both met whilst doing nursing so that was fun and I'm now an emergency department nurse and it it is really, really different um, being an emergency department nurse to being on PICU. PICU was very structured and it's equipped me with skills to look after critically on where and well children um, wherever. And that's absolutely invaluable. I think now that I'm in the emergency department, I've had to learn a different skill set, but the the skills that I've initially taken from PICU will stay with me for my entire career. Thank you, Dan. That's really great um, experience that you've had. Um, and you mentioned that you were a, um, that you were dyslexic. Um, I'm also dyslexic, um, so welcome to the club. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
what would be your advice to other student nurses who um, have dyslexia um, on how to you know manage your day to day? That is such a good question. I love that question. Um, <clears throat> so I had a fantastic one to one who's part of um, diverse learners and she taught she helped me to use my dyslexia and um, to my to my own benefit um, throughout my training. Um, now I make a lot of lists um, and sometimes I make lists for the lists that I need to make. And I, um, I use my calendar on my tablet for literally everything for work. Um, it, when I'm studying, I need to clock in time for food. Um, <clears throat> there are time management um, lists. Try and set um, sort of plans to what you want to achieve by when. But most of all, don't be hard on yourself. Dyslexia um, is just a different way of learning. And it's about finding that way of learning um, that fits your you as a person. Um, for me, I very much, my dyslexia is around processing at times. So I've had to find ways to process information. And I'll always remember, and it's a sad experience, but I always remember in Peku, um, we had a child who sadly passed away. And um, I, I didn't understand the physiology as to why. And when I asked, all I was told was, you know, hyperplastic left heart. That's all I was told. And I I, I didn't understand that. And I had, it took me a while, but I had to go away and break down, you know, what hyperplastic left heart is and why that was an acceptable uh, three-word answer to the question. The thing that my dyslexia has helped me learn to do is read and reread around subjects because I, I I like to feel confident in what I'm talking about. I would always advise people to um, disclose their dyslexia and dyscalculia to um, their university um, tutors and their mentors as well because sometimes you do need just a little bit of quiet or a little bit of calm to try and write your notes. Where available um, at computers as a student, I used to write my notes on a lot just because um, my writing's a little bit like a spider's scroll. I would fit in times to rest as well because when you're at university, it is full on to the point where if you don't um, look after yourself when with dyslexia, <clears throat> when you're studying hard, you will burn yourself out and you won't always see it coming either. I don't know about you, Chloe, but I also get um, sensory issues. Um, it's sort of like a sensory overload thing and something else that <coughs> Kerry was really, really amazing um, at teaching me was helping me to recenter myself by, you know, just taking a minute to <coughs> identify all of those things that I'm feeling and, you know, from a sensory point of view. So. What can I feel on my skin? What can I smell? Um, is there anything particular I can taste? What can I hear? And help me to identify in those moments of overstimulus all those um, stimuli, multiple stimuli that's going on and just naming 
each one so it doesn't feel so overwhelming. Yeah, I understand that. Because um, it is a lot to take in. There's a lot of information um, and it can be really overloading for a um, person who does uh, struggle with dyslexia. And Absolutely, particularly on ITU as well, because you've got the um, the bedside monitors beeping at you. You've got the um, ventilators beeping at you as well that you're receiving a lot of data that you're trying to <clears throat> decode and figure out, you know, is everything okay in this situation? But really interestingly, on um, the monitors that I've used everywhere, and it's probably the same with you, there's something called um, a QRS beep. And, you know, you go onto your saturations monitor and it's on, I think it's under QRS volume, and what it is, is um, a high-pitched beep with every heartbeat, but as the saturations drop, the noise, um, the tone of the noise drops with it. And when we used to do, when we do intubations or retaping endotracheal tubes in um, PICU, you'd always have those beeps on just to try and, just because they serve as an audible reminder of how things are going. And actually, I found a lot of comfort in them the longer I was in um, PICU because it really helped me to know that, you know, my patient was oxygenating okay, their heart rate's okay. Um, and it became a really bizarre and um, positive safety. I don't know, it helped me feel safe yeah. when I heard that those beeps and stuff were okay because I knew what was going on around me. Absolutely. And I think the most important thing to mention here is that you know, despite having um, a difficulty in, with dyslexia or dyscalculia, you know, this doesn't prevent you from being a, a quality nurse. Absolutely not. No, absolutely not. Um, and it isn't until you start talking about it that you realise how many nurses are dyslexic, um, dyscalculic. You know, it's, it's a lot more common than people think. And it's one of those things in society that if we spoke about more, it's like mental health, if we spoke about it more, we'd realise that you're not so alone. Absolutely. Totally. Um, there are just some great toolkits from people like the RCN around dyslexia, dyscalculia and dyspraxia that I'd really recommend anyone who has got um, any sort of neurodivergent condition to just look into because they are really, really helpful. Super. Thank you, Dan. Um, and can you share a bit about what student nurses can expect from this specialism? So you mentioned A&E and um, paediatric intensive care. Um, while on placement and why newly qualified nurses should consider working within this specialism? Absolutely. I'll talk about PICU first. So um, PICU, as I say, can be a really daunting place um, for students and newly qualified staff alike. However, in my experience, it's also one of the safest places. Within it, you can be, you can expect to learn the fun, the fundamentals of looking after critically unwell children, um, which actually aren't too dissimilar to the fundamentals of um, looking after any child or um, to a degree adults as well. You know, there's focuses on hygiene, on fluid, on nutrition. Many children are on NG feeds, so you'll learn practical skills like that. Um, more newly qualified than students, but there'll be um, opportunities, obviously, to learn about airway assistance, whether that's intubation um, and mechanical ventilation or CPAP, 
bubble CPAP, Airvo, you, in your early days, you get very, you, you do get introduced to drugs like inotropes, adrenaline, noradrenaline, and your vasopressin as well, help with uh, circulatory issues. Um, you also learn, so the, the PICU I worked on, um, a third of it was cardiac, um, and that was absolutely amazing because we'd, we'd look after these babies after complex heart procedures, um, <clears throat> and they, you know, it'd be so nice to see how well they do. Um, and alternatively, you've got all the post-op care that comes with that. Um, you learn the pathophysiology of the conditions you're looking after, I think, to a more in-depth level than you would on the ward, because everything you do on PQ has a um, has a reaction. So a lot of the children, for example, may be on um, diuretics like fluzamide that would be given um, regularly, but also if the child you're looking after has got um, or is experiencing poor urine, um, or urine outputs. If you've got a child whose blood pressure is a little bit saggy, your heart rate's playing up, you know, you're going to look at what medication can I give for that. And there's things you can think about as a student, but as a newly qualified nurse, it does become a little bit like your um, bread and butter. <clears throat> um, the other thing in PICU is that we are, uh, or in PICU, they are very good at keeping calm and developing things like situational awareness, you know, looking what's going on around you. You learn really good time management as well. And I know that people will often say that in PICU, you only have one, maybe two patients. Um, but that doesn't mean it doesn't teach you um, about time management because a lot of your drugs are IV drugs. A lot of your feeds are coming up as well. So you need to be mindful of um, getting them in on time as well, because there's been a lot of um, research into nutrition and positive outcomes in PICU, which was something I was really interested in my time there. In terms of um, what to expect when you go to the emergency department, um, it's, it completely varies from what PICU was. So there's routine and structure in PICU, but nowhere near as much in the emergency department unless you look for it. So you come in on your shift, for example, and you want to be doing your safety checks similar to PICU, but you do it for more beds. Um, the thing you can mainly expect in ED is variety. Um, I see such a huge range of um, conditions come in from um, you know, small children with fevers and coughs and colds to um, we see a lot of children and adolescent mental health at the minute, um, abdominal pain, broken bones, um, foreign bodies up noses, all the um, typical things you think of in an emergency department and more. It's, I love the variety that ED provides and I love the organisation that PICU also provides, I guess. Super, thank you, Dan. Um, and are there any specialist qualifications required to carry out these specialist roles? So, great question. Um, in PICU, and it's important to stress, Chloe, that I think every PICU is slightly different, just like every emergency department. 
but the way my picky journey was was i um started as a newly qualified nurse and you're instantly enrolled on um a nine it, for me it was nine i think it's now 18 month in-house um well-structured foundation course which is like an extension to uni really you're taught um pathophysiology across all of the different systems of the body um whether it's um circulatory or the kidneys liver and um, so did you see yourself in the position that you are now when you first started your nurse training that is a great question um so obviously i've just revalidated um so i'm three years in and i i've used social media throughout my nursing journey um and one of the um one of my biggest decisions was where I started, whether I started in PICU or A&E, to the point where um, the, there was a tweet that actually came up in my feed, um, like one of my historical feeds, about where I'd asked this question, should I go to A&E or PICU? Um, so in many ways, I am where... I thought I'd be um, three years down the line. And honestly, I love what I've done. I love what I do. I've, I really genuinely love my experiences on PICU um, and all of the um, situational awareness, emotional intelligence, all the stuff that I didn't think I'd need because there's not that big a focus on it in university that I've learned that do make me um, the nurse that I am when it comes to being able to prior prioritise and organise. I think, am I where I thought I'd be? In some ways, yes, not completely, because I thought I'd end up doing a little bit longer than um, I did in both the places, but actually the opportunity came up to move home and we took it straight away. So, that was, so yes, yeah. Super. I am where I thought I'd be, but it's where I want to be, which is the most important thing. Absolutely. Thank you, Dan. And what would you say to your student nurse self now, having been on the journey that you have? Now, this question, um, uh, this is a really good question as well. And the reason why it's a really good question is because my answer could divide a couple of people. Um, and my experience in nursing so far has been very clinical and that's the way i see my career going i want to be as clinical as i can um and people often wonder uh, people often worry about their degree classifications and you know you see it towards um the end of people's courses some people have got first seconds two ones uh two twos and thirds and I think the most important thing that I'd go back and tell myself um, is, is that practical knowledge is what's really important. The clinical knowledge is really important. Being able to get a first is lovely, but I wasn't able to do that. Um, I was working alongside um, my course in order to just survive because let's not get into the funding, but we all know it's not great in England. Um, I was running, you know, the student nurse project for other people as well. 
And actually, I came out of university with a 2-2. Um, and I really, really felt quite crap about that, um, part of my language, because I felt I'd worked so much harder than that. But um, we, so we're recording this in um, sort of the fall of the autumn of 2021. Um, and actually, in two months' time, I start a master's module on emergency nursing care. So actually, I don't think your degree classification really matters as much as um, you think it should, or you think it will do. What a super uh, reply to the answer, and congratulations on starting your master's degree. And what would be your advice for student nurses on how to be successful in their nursing journey? So success for everybody is different. Um, for some people, it's getting through their course. For others, it's finding a role that they love. Um, your nursing journey is your own and literally your even your version of success Chloe, with your absolutely fascinating background um is going to be different to mine i think it's figure out what makes you um happy and what drives you and find a job that makes you remember why you went into nursing every day try not to let yourself get bogged down or burnt out um, because at the end of the day if you're not enjoying what you do you're not going to enjoy nursing and I, I fear that we have such a large um, rate of people leaving the profession not because they've fallen out of love with nursing but because taking care of yourself is so so difficult I think we put so much pressure on ourselves to succeed based on what other people's um, version of success is that we almost forget about what we want and what we want to achieve and what success feels like to us. Um, so I guess it would be don't pit yourself against other people, but know what success looks like looks like for you and put plans and goals and steps in place to help you get there as well. It's great advice. Thank you very much, Dan. So thank you for joining me today, Dan. I hope you've enjoyed your time in the podcast. Before we finish up, Becky posed the following question for you. What are your top tips for looking after yourself after a traumatic day in A&E? Great question. Great question. Um, looking after yourself after a traumatic day in A&E. I think it's always important um, to have people you can talk to, whether they're friends, family. In my case, as I said, Lucy, my wife's also a nurse, so, you know, she gets it when I talk to her. Talking is so important um, and developing sort of coping skills um, is also really important. I think you need to, something I've had to learn is leaving work at work um, because you can always go home and worry about things and, you know, things will wake you up in the middle of your, in the middle of the night and you think, oh crap, I forgot to hand over this or did I forget to do that? But actually care is 24 hours um, in acute care. And you're you're always able to hand over to 
to somebody else. Um, I think leave work at work or try and leave work at work, come home. If, you know, if something's sitting on your chest, Lucy and I have a 15 minute rule where we can rant about our day for 15 minutes and then it's over. And then it's, you know, hot bath, hot drink, um, put something on the telly. But if something's really still bothering me the next day, I'll write a reflection on it. And I know how that sounds because um, at least at my university, they banged on a lot about being reflective, doing reflection, be a reflective practitioner. But genuinely, um, being coming from intensive care and then into an emergency department background, I've encountered my fair share of fair si of difficult situations in the last three years, and reflection is what has really helped me through it from a point of view of how do I digest what has happened, how do I learn from what has happened, and how do I figure out how I, how I feel about what has happened. So my biggest tip is going to be, you know, ref reflect on it. There's a really good, I know a lot of people have talked about the Gibbs cycle of reflection, um, but in the nursing times, there's literally one called the reflect cycle, um, which I've also found fits quite nicely into the NMC um, reflection revalidation guides uh, templates. Um, so I definitely recommend people look that up, but reflection is how, is a really good way when all else fails of just trying to decompress after really busy days. That's super. Thank you very much, Dan. So in the next episode, we'll be joined by Elise, who's a neonatal transport nurse with Scott Star Paediatric Transport and Retrieval Services. So the power is now in your hand to pose the question for the next guest speaker. What would you like to ask Elise? So I've, I love transport nurses and actually, I hope you don't mind, but my, one of my favourite experiences as a nurse so far was doing um, a nurse transfer from the children's hospital where I worked back to a community hospital after set, stepping down a kid from um, intensive care back to them. And I literally loved that experience. It was amazing. And it was one of the things on my nurse and bucket list that I was absolutely thrilled to do. Um, so my question is, <clears throat> as a transport neonatal nurse, you care for critically unwell neonates. What techniques have you taught yourself to keep good quality situational awareness? Super question. Thank you, Dan. So we'll hear from Elise in, in the next episode. Thank you for joining me today, Dan. I hope you've all enjoyed this episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed this, please leave a comment on my socials and follow me at Chloe Jack on her Mac. That's all for now, folks. Cheerio.